It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Good morning. Welcome to Friday's Cork Today. JP in for Patricia until one. And we'll stay with the weather because the massive and big retailers, the likes of uh, Argos and Curry's and Tesco, they're reporting soaring sales of no less than fans. While Smith's Toys are reporting huge jump in sales of children's pools as temperatures are to hit over 30 degrees here in Cork and other parts of the country. That yellow warning for high temperatures remains in place. But the weekend is set to look similar, look good. Uh, tomorrow's is the very same and into Sunday looks like it's going to now be similar for Sunday a chance of a shower but overall high temperatures as well for Sunday of 29 to 30 degrees and Sunday night going to remain warm as well. Uh, We could have some heavy showers overnight on Sunday night but uh, temperatures again 13 to 17 degrees overnight for Sunday so a warm night and then Monday is when we'll see a a slight change in temperatures but kind of average for this time of the year where they will range from 19 to 24 degrees so still nice and warm will be more cloudier though from Monday onwards and again uh, some scattered showers for Monday and that will be similar for Tuesday and then towards the rest of next week uh, Matt Aaron saying it will feel much fresher temperatures will be though still that's a little okay for this time of the year the late teens to the low 20s so still nice and warm uh, maybe more cloud uh, but and a few showers but no talk of any heavy rain as in long spells of rain just maybe heavy showers so overall even though the temperatures are too go back slowly from Monday it will remain nice for the next week anyhow and indeed this weekend so enjoy it if you can and of course there is an orange level high fire warning that remains in place and Cork County fire crews there were at the scene yesterday and this was at a major wildfire at Mossgrove near Town yesterday afternoon. There was a huge blaze of thick clouds of smoke seen from miles around that area and flames ash was uh, spotted from all over from as far as Ballonhasic even uh, from that fire. But anyhow, the Department of Agriculture, they do uh, remain with that warning of an orange level high fire warning. So if you're having barbecues in particular, they say just be extra careful of trees and bushes in your garden or where you are living. And 
ahead this morning on the programme until one, we have received numerous calls, this from the Glanworth area, and this is from people who were concerned at the closure of a right-of-way access to the river and to St Dominic's Well. Now, we're going to be joined very shortly by the owner of Glanworth Castle. The right-of-way has reopened yesterday evening, but just people are wondering now, what is the future for that castle, the middle area there in Glanworth? We'll hear from the owner and from locals who have concerns shortly on the show. Also, teacher unions are preparing a ballot for its members to strike as they enter pay talks and this is all to do with the cost of living. They're basically looking for a better deal for their members, their teachers and we'll speak with the ASTI who will join us on this this morning. And we're also going to hear why an expression of interest from well, fish or four fish from far away as New Zealand is being sought by the Oroctus restaurant. So basically what's like a a tinder went out and it went as far as New Zealand for fish to be brought to Ireland and sold in the restaurant within Leinster House. But many now feel, as it is the Irish Parliament, should we be proudly displaying Irish fish on the menu. So we're going to hear from uh, fishing groups on this. Also, we'll hear how a field in Skull is home to a stunning, gigantic sunflowers, a number of them that will be harvested this weekend. It's all raising funds for the Bus Workers Charity and they are bringing aid to Ukraine. We'll hear more about that later. And if you're going along to West well, we'll have advice and indeed tips if you're driving where to park and indeed what to do for the evening ahead at Westlife, of course, in Parky Cueve later tonight and indeed tomorrow night. A huge boost for Cork, a huge economic boost, but also a great excitement in and around the Cork area as Westlife pay Parky Cueve. That is later tonight and tomorrow. And we'll be going to the movies with Mark after 12.30. So that and more along with your calls and comments. They're welcome. Bernie taking those today on the phone right now. Always one eight one zero three. 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 but the cost of living as I mentioned there when it came to the teachers and the teacher unions and what they are calling on from the government uh, it is being discussed again today because the inflation well it's continuing to increase and it's now at a 38 year high at 9.1% and it seems that hard pressed families are having to pay in excess of 1100 euros extra a year on their groceries. Now, an analysis done by the Irish Daily Mail of 15 regular shopping basket stables shows uh, that on the course of a year and based on two shopping trips a week, the overall extra cost in comparison with a year ago is €1,126. And this figure is on top of the rising monthly mortgage repayments, your energy bills and your back to school costs and the hikes that then, well, they're expected to get worse into the winter months when we're going to have higher oil and indeed gas demands kick in. I'm just looking on energy. I mean, gas, electricity and other fuel that is seen a 54.8% increase over the last year. Airfares have gone up by 47.8%. Diesel, as we all know, has gone up by 44.8%. And petrol gone up by 35.4%, even though we are seeing a slight reduction in diesel and petrol at the pumps over the last uh, number of days. And when it comes to shopping, as we mentioned there, we know it's gone up. But uh, for an example, if you 
you go along to the shop and you're buying some fish, well, fresh salmon, uh, which was €20.91 last year, is now €23.28. So a jump there of over €2. Lamb, if you were buying lamb, a whole leg or half leg, it's gone from €11.60 to €13.79. And then, for example, cooked ham, gone from €17 to over €19. And while they're all increases of two to maybe three euros or just slightly over one euro if you're buying a number of items it does tot up at the ends of your grocery bill and you will see an increase for example butter has gone up 48 cents over the last year and bread for example a brown sliced pan uh, it's gone up 20 cents but then the likes of potatoes that has decreased by around 60 cents and roast beef has also decreased. So while there is increases, there has been some decreases, but there is more increases than decreases. And we are seeing uh, further hikes on the way when it comes to groceries. But when you add all those up together, along with the other costs, you can see why people are finding it tough as inflation uh, is due to keep going up. And there's no talks of if it's at its peak or not as yet. And with this in mind, the finance minister, Pascal Dunahu, he was out yesterday and there's a lot lot of talk about various measures being brought in. Well, in the budget he said and others want workers to be recognised as a lot of people who are working, who are up early in the morning, commuting to work, uh, they're the ones that are finding it toughest and you know they're working as much as they can but still they don't have enough money. There's no disposable income and they're trying to pay their mortgage and, and buy the groceries every week. And then you have children going back to school and you're trying to get the books and and everything is just going up and up and up. So what they want to do is... Uh, they're considering anyhow introducing a third income tax ban but that will be based on its policy merits so uh, this time of the year the government's tax advisory group they publish papers and then that indicates what they can do for the budget and one of the indications is a third income tax ban which could see up to a million taxpayers take home an extra 500 to 1000 euros a year and introducing a third middle tax rate ban of 30% and then indexing the tax bans to earnings are among some of the options that they are considering and that should help some people uh, in the budget workers anyhow in the budget and while uh, that's regarding those who are working there are calls for increasing the social welfare payments by 15 euros uh, some will say that is by 15 euros isn't even enough some are coming out saying this morning that they need to increase it more when they look at the spiralling inflation and from that then to the students who as we all know are struggling to find accommodation and it's it's baffling to think that student accommodation now is the same as if you were renting an apartment or a house if you're a worker because there's little or no difference in the cost and there's a big difference if you're a student and if you're working at least if you're working you have some type of wage coming in why if you're a student you're working part-time and there's no way you could really afford uh, the you know paying 800 euros a month for accommodation or even 500 euros or 600 euros for a room in a house share and this is a house share maybe of four or five people uh, so it is getting tougher in the days of the student digs or maybe a house that isn't in great shape and you get cheap rent because the house isn't fantastic those days are over so that is why everybody is paying high costs when you go to college well now uh, the, uh, the higher education minister Simon 
Harris, he is pushing for the, you know, the levy, the contribution you have to pay. It's roughly around €3,000 that people must pay to the the college when they go along for their academic year. They're looking now at measures that would basically waiver this or change the payment of this. So, or I mean, a lot of people will get grants, but not everybody doesn't avail or can't avail of those grants. So because of that, you are left then with a high cost, including apart from accommodation, including that €3,000 you have to pay to the college by way of fees. And outside of all of that then, regarding the inflation that we're hearing about this morning and yesterday evening, you'll be familiar with the talks we had this as well last year of how we could see electricity cuts. Well, it seems at this stage that the over 2 million homes and small businesses that were all going to be asked to avoid peak time use of electricity to reduce any blackouts this winter the government are looking at this because they are uh, trying to take uh, drastic steps in how we can cope the struggle if we lose energy in this country. Now at the moment Airgrid said there's no threat of blackouts to the system even though there has been amber alerts in the past two days. They say alone that brings a total of four in the past month but they at the moment are saying that they can deal with the winter ahead while you have the government and others who are saying we all could be told to cut back on our electricity usage at peak times. And of course, Puck is on in Calorglan and every year at this time, the debate takes place on the Puck that is raised over the town of Calorglan. Well, yesterday, uh, I should say at the outset, the, the Puck Fair, there is a vet that looks after that uh, Puck goat. And the yesterday afternoon, and yesterday morning before the, the intense heat came, uh, the vet did inspect the goat and the local vet decided that the goat needed to be brought down. So they brought the goat down and it was still within the cage, but in the shade in that cage. Um, a lot of criticism over the last number of days on it. This still should go ahead or not go ahead. A lot of callers here to the show feel they should put a stuffed goat or a kind of a model of a goat or something up there instead of a real pocket. But they still are going with the old tradition that is there for years in Organ. And on this, the Department of Agriculture, uh, they got involved. They say they welcome the dethroning of the animal last night. And they said that the department has been in contact with the independent private veterinary practice uh, that attend the fair and welcomes the decision of the, organi- the, the organisers to take the goat down in Kilorgan. The festival organisers, though, they have confirmed that while the goat is down uh, and when the temperatures cool down, he will go back up again. So organisers will continue to maintain the King Puck, as they call him. Uh, and a lot of people go along to see the Puck and enjoy the fair across Clorgland this weekend. And they have the weather for it, but they will be putting the, the Puck goat back up again in his high cage. But for the moment, anyhow, not sure if he's up this morning. And I presume he'll be down again today because temperatures are going to be higher today of 30 degrees. So uh, I do presume he's not up in the house this morning. But people have mixed views when it comes to Puck Fair. And the fair itself is okay, but regarding the goat, uh, high up over the town, uh, there is mixed views on that. But for the moment, he's been brought down, and I presume again he'll remain down today. Anyhow, uh, your views are welcome on uh, Bernie taking those calls 0818-103-103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email across the show Cork Today at c103.ie. C103, it's Cork Today on till one, and I mentioned about the good weather extending across the weekend. Well, a number of texts in regarding our local beaches across 
across Cork and one which first of all says congratulations to Cork County Council for providing beach guards again this year at Fountainstown Beach as well as other beaches in the area and also to them for upgrading the car park. However, could they build a toilet block in Fountainstown like the one at Gary Vaux Beach? I used the portable toilet at Fountainstown Beach or at least I tried. I'm a woman of 5 foot 3 and the seat is too high for me. There's also no soap and it's not suitable for a parent attending to a child or even for a larger person. It is indeed a very tight space but the most important thing here is could they extend the beach guard service beyond 7pm during a heat wave? The beach water was packed during the week and for hours after the 7pm cutoff time, it makes no sense not to have a lifeguard on duty when it is so busy. Maybe somebody from the council could comment on this because the last thing we need is a tragedy because of no lifeguard on duty in Fountainstown after 7pm and what happens then is, uh, says this texter and others, that councillors would jump on the bandwagon and declare that it is necessary but then it is too late we need action now we'll see what the council will say on that uh, obviously enough it's cooler in the evenings when I say cooler it's still 26 27 degrees at that hour of the evening 7 or 8 o'clock but still uh, people are venturing out then so it does make sense that people may not be uh, doing much on the beach during the day but in the evenings uh, the opportunity does arise then for people to go maybe after work even and for a sea swim if they can do that so yeah we'll check in with the council and see if that is an option if they can extend the lifeguards on our beaches for those that do leave at 7 o'clock your views are welcome 0818 103 103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 uh, but we are going to deal with the issue in Glenworth regarding a concern from locals of the closure of a right of way access which I believe has reopened this morning and yesterday evening uh, but we will discuss that next Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. We received a number of calls from the Glanworth area earlier this week with locals having concern that what they believe is a right of way to the river and also to St Dominic's Well was closed off earlier in the week. Now many people who were annoyed contacted the show here and they also contacted the Avenue newspaper. So the owner of the Castle and Mill in Glanworth has joined me this morning and this is Barry Hunt who joins me. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning, JP. And uh, thanks for joining us. I mean, you're very aware of what is going on and the upset from locals because you've been contacted by ourselves in the Avenue in the last number of days. Uh, first of all, locals were upset because of the erection of a fence earlier this week and many felt that the right of access they believe is there was taken away from them to the river. Uh, yes, it was interesting being described as a fence, which was the front gate, which we've had for actually several years now, erected, I think, three years ago. Um, we had a very small side area which we left open for people to come through. Um, and, yes, all we did was cover it in the hoarding because we were having, basically, works done. and We wanted to put a number of signs on the gate which we couldn't otherwise uh, attach to the gate the way it was. Uh, because we had diggers in and were doing spraying of the grass for killing it to plant a hedge. We had a whole range of chemicals being sprayed around. So um, we were, as I say, undertaking various works. It was near enough effectively a construction site just for a few hours on a few days. But uh, having closed the gate, all hell seemed to have broken loose because no one actually came down and asked us what we were doing. They just assumed we'd somehow closed off the access for good, 
and uh, it all kind of escalated from that point forward. I've kept the access open for the last five and a half years that I've, uh, with my wife, owned the mill, and it's been you know, generally no problem. But the, more recently, of course, through COVID, I wasn't there because I had a heart attack um, soon after the COVID thing happened, so I had to stay in the UK and uh, not been back for two or three years. So people seem to have gotten used to just roaming around onto the sort of private property, onto the sort of front lawns and just picnicking and doing a whole range of things, bringing their dogs, allowing them to mess everywhere. So there, there's an issue that I do need to get hold of is that this is private property generally. Um, we need to sort out whether there is rights of way or not. And I'm actively doing that. I haven't actually stopped access whilst I've been trying to find all these things out. Um, and the access to, to the river, yeah. Barry, is that no? I'm getting calls in the thing. It, it was reopened yesterday evening. So is the access back? Or, and obviously it was only a temporary measure while you were carrying out those construction works. Well, it was open the whole time through the construction works. It was closed off, I believe, on the 8th at 9 o'clock in the evening. This was the day of St. Dominic's Feast. And... Um, you know, it was described as if we'd closed the thing the whole day, but it was actually nine o'clock in the evening when we closed the access because we had a, a whole range of stuff coming which could have easily been stolen. We've had a problem with um, a lot of things being stolen from the front because of the open access. We've had a huge amount of vandalism of the mill. We've had rocks thrown down from the castle, which has caused close to around about 40,000 euros of damage. We've had many windows smashed, many attempted break-ins, possibly 15 to 20 break-in attempts. And this is the problem with the way the site is, and people don't understand what's actually going on down there, that we could lose the mill to someone putting it on fire. Um, and this is all in relation to how people are just not treating the property with any respect. It's a protected structure, and around it are two national monuments. Um, it's a beautiful place, and we have plans to try and make it even more beautiful, but we're almost being prevented from doing so. We want people to use the area in a sensible and respectful way, as they would their own houses, because this is our house, but we are opening it up to everyone. <laughs> and the mill and itself you mentioned there and the antisocial behaviour, this is uh, it's the same entrance, but a kind of a separate route than the river one I just mentioned at the start. So uh, will you be more or less restricting access to the mill itself because of what is going on regarding antisocial behaviour well, and the smashing well, of windows? The thing is, is that since 1247, um, this has been private land until for a very, very short amount of time, Cork County Council took it over when um, it was left to become a rather derelict and there was a grant given and works were done and then it was sold. It was sold as a private property all the way to the river bank and actually to the centre of the river and it's passed through you know, different hands. It's now in my hands and the deeds are very clear of where the ownership is. So for some reason a few people have put it about that this is public property but no, it was briefly public property when it's taken into Cork's hands, but they then sold it on as a private property. So the majority of people that were unhappy were more or less unhappy about the access to the, to the river side of things and, and the well, St Dominic's well. So are you saying that this, even though many think it's a right of way, that it isn't really a right of way? Well, there is no marked right of way there. I have uh, the car park opposite the mill. Um, I own that where there's a recycling centre. And there is very clearly marked on the deeds the right of way to the 
uh, water treatment works that is situated there. Um, but if you go on to the Irish registry, and anyone can do this free and check, you'll see very clearly that there is no right-of-way marked um, through to the mill. So, so you know, through the mill to get to either St. Dominic's Well or anywhere else. So people say, well, there's an assumed right-of-way. And there, there's all sorts of different uh, interpretations that people have approached me with about six foot from the edge of the river, 10 foot from the edge of the river. But if you ask, I believe, almost any solicitor in Ireland, and I've, I'm having my own solicitors check things, um, there is no such right. There's all sorts of um, strange things. Because even if there was a right to, the, say, that final six foot of the riverbank, um, it actually doesn't give you the right to then just walk across private property to get to it. It's when you're actually on the river itself, if that was the case. And are you to leave open the the actual walkway, though, even though if it is not, if this was a gentleman's agreement, uh, you know, two or three hundred years ago with the owner then from Cork County Council, obviously, you know, the the, the ownership has changed hands and every owner is going to look at it differently. But are you happy to maintain the access to the river, even though people will actually have to go through private property? Well, (laughs) there's a big question there. So that means to get from A to B, you can just take a beeline through anyone's private property? Is that what you're saying? Because that's effectively what they're trying to say is the case. If you can, They can get to the river from the other side and they can access in all sorts of ways. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> sorry. But, uh, you know, the access through private property, um, if there's no right of way there, then there's no right of access. But as my plans for the mill are very much um, I'm a geologist by training that's what my job's been all my life and I do surveying of um, historic buildings Um, I'm very okay with the history of the area and many of the structures around the area Um, and that's one reason why I took on the mill to try and uh, make sure I preserved it in the way that it was and to hopefully upgrade it but the plans are to have a geological kind of park there with different stones from all over Ireland representing the geology and to then carve those stones because I do stone sculpture in my spare time I want to to invite local artists down to also be involved in the carving of the stones and maybe do other things as well and have the whole area open as a free area to come and view the geology um, as a learning thing and also the sculpture just as a general you know thing of beauty and attraction, trying to get people into the air. So my long-term intentions are to have far more people actually coming down to view the air. But at the same time, we have to think about the security of the buildings around us, the fact that castle's being torn to shreds for stones to be thrown on the adjacent properties, the fact that mill's being damaged. There's a lot of other damage to the structures there. Um, people don't realise I own the weir. Um, to the halfway through the river and the other materials around there. These are protected materials, but people are, are damaging them. And, and because of the antisocial behaviour and the damage you outlined there, is this another one of the reasons that you have decided to restrict access? Well, or could we potentially to, do so? We've effectively agreed so far with the council, just as a temporary measure, um, with one of the councillors, has said that, you know, if we have the gate open, as you would for most castles, they aren't open 24 hours a day. You go, rock up to a castle and you're, you're there from, say, 9.30 till 5.30 would be mm. the opening hours. And essentially, we've agreed with council. So, well, you know, if we have it open from something like 
nine or ten o'clock until six or seven o'clock in the evening, um, that's quite reasonable. Everyone's got their access to the castle at times, which are, you know, reasonable and sociable. But, you know, in the middle of the night, trying to go up to a castle that's got no lighting and everything, um, and then, let's say, there's a range of things that go on, um, the reasons for doing that are very small. And a very few number of people go there, and most of them are causing a great nuisance. So what is the problem with closing off access, certainly for part of the day, which will help to preserve both the mill, the castle, and the surrounding parts of the uh, area from the damage that's being caused? And again, no one's come and talked to me about all of these things that are happening there. Just lots of assumptions and just uh, just not listening at all. Pushy, for the long term, you're happy to kind of turn the, the castle area and the mill into a more or less a tourist destination. So that would be open during the day, for example. Uh, but Absolutely, yeah. The big concern, again, from text that we're getting is, is regarding this river access and the access to St. Dominic's well. Uh, and even though, as you say yourself, there legally doesn't seem to be a right of way there. Uh, will, will this remain open? Okay, it was closed for the construction works. It's open again. Will that re- remain open 24-7 or are you well, going to close it off again? No, what, what's going to happen is, is that I just hope and pray that the people who will come and view the castle and view the well respect the fact that they're going through a private property, that they don't leave dirty, soiled nappies, that they don't leave their dog mess, that they don't... Uh, leave litter all over the place. The, the, the children in Glamworth have been exemplary. They actually helped me do a lot of litter clearing. And, you know, through all the times when we actually had things closed off to a lot of the public, people were coming down, rather than just saying hello, just started shouting at me and shouting the odds. So the children came down, were very nice, they vast, and we allowed them and let them to use the river and all sorts of things. It, it doesn't take much for someone to just have a smile on their face, say hello and ask. But... Very few people have come down and asked. The fishing, fishing club, they came and asked a long time ago, and I granted them access all along the riverbank there, and they've carried on. And they were concerned. They texted me just the other day and said, look, honestly, everything's gone out of control. And all, but there was no issue there. The scouts, the same thing, allowing them access for a variety of things. The, the, the youngsters in the football team, in the GAA, come down and swim uh, every evening, and we've opened the gate for them, even when it's been shut in the evening. So, again, <laughs> it's very simple, very straightforward. Just respect the fact that it is a private property, first and foremost. Secondly, I'm not a bad person by any stretch. I'm very amenable. But if someone just came down to your house and started shouting at you and demanding one thing after another when they didn't actually have any facts of any substance to it, what would you think you would do? I think and you'd be just saying to them, just calm down. The shouting you speak about listen. is that shouting when the when the fence was up? Is that when people started shouting or when the gate is closed? Very, very much so. There's, but first and foremost, there's no fence has gone up. It's just a gate across the driveway. I've got a driveway. There is mm-hmm. no fence. And is there, a, is there a kind of a, a boarding over the gate? There is, because we, had, okay. we couldn't on the gate, but now we've, we've almost just 
given up bothering because people have written all over the, the sign now as well. Yeah, and I have a WhatsApp um, again, in here w- with that of the gate closed and the fence <laughs> and someone's written over the uh, the actual fence about what the area means to Glanworth. Uh, now, we had a number of locals who did contact us. None of them wished to go on air. Um, we presume some of them did yesterday, but they, they haven't. Um, they, they're willing not to go on now and discuss this with you. So just some of the concerns, uh, Barry, that I've got in this morning. Uh, people feel that the village has been held to ransom, that their access will be denied. Uh, and again, this more so is to do with the river and St. Dominic's. Well, more than the middle, they can understand the middle situation from the majority of calls we're getting. But regarding the river and St. Dominic's, well, can you guarantee that you will remain or that you will let people in there 24-7? Or will we see restricted access to the river and St. Dominic's well uh, from your entrance? Well, definitely not 24-7. And that, that is, I mean, anyone, I don't think, would accept that. Um, you know, people coming along, doing things in the dead of night. Um, there is, as I say, a very serious problem at the location which people just don't understand. I don't think anyone um, would tolerate that on their own private property um, to have that. But, you know, I'm being extremely reasonable. I don't think I'm holding anyone to ransom, and certainly I don't know where they've got that from because no one, not a single person other than the the couple of councillors, and I've been writing to the councillors, I've written to the Office of Public Works, I've written to Conservation Air, I've actually written to one of the ministers as well all about this, and it's only the local Glenworth Council who's come back to me. Um, no one else seems willing to discuss anything. They just seem to be making loads and loads of demands and making loads of assumptions as to what I am and am not doing. And how can I be holding something to ransom when they don't even know what my supposed demands are? All I did was close off the area for a few hours on one day, a few hours the next day. Yesterday, we closed it off for two hours because we were digging a trench across the drive because we had to find where the water services were and the electrical cables. Now, we did let a couple of lads in when we had a break time um, because they wanted to swim. But everyone else, while we were digging, we said, we can't let you on because we're digging trench. We're using equipment as you would on any construction site. But, but uh, will you, when you have it open now again, will it remain open? You said there it won't be 24-7. So will it be like your plans for the mill, for the river access? Will that be open maybe 9 to 6 or 10 to 7? Is that what well, you're looking at? The thing is, is that why do people think they've got this right to access in the first place? That's all I want. Because all the previous mill owners did not actually allow anyone to swim in the river, they, they actively discouraged. I've spoken to a lot of the older members of the river, and it's one of the things that was first told to me by a chap who's helped me greatly, who lives in the village. Um, and I had someone else who was a carpenter who made parts of the uh, mill wheel, and he was telling me a lot about the history of uh, Glanworth and uh, the way that the mill was run and you know the gate that was on it for many years and the fact that access... There were, there was no access. I've got lots and lots of aerial photographs through the years from different documents showing that you know the mill buildings were across where the steps are to the castle and there was no track down to the well. There was a different track from above the hill. Like to the castle, there is a different entrance to the castle from above, which is meant to be the official entrance. But it's a much more awkward entrance. People just choose not to use it for some reason. So basically you're saying that regarding the entrance of where people are at the moment, it's not, as far as you're concerned, an, an official right of way. 
No, no, not at all. So no one should be um, going in there, even though they were. You let them. Now you have to change this, and you have to restrict access. And that's what you were doing. So basically, all I've done is I've I'm quite happy to allow people through when mm. they are reasonable. They just have to respect the property. Every time someone comes and litters, every time. But, but when you say and, Barry, you're letting people through, do, do you mean they must ask first, or can they just walk through during a certain time period? We're hoping that it will be that for a certain time of day, we are leaving the access open and people can wander through. If it's a right of way, are they going from A to B? Or, you know, they can't just go wandering off around the mill area itself because of the, the concerns I have. Mm. We have, obviously, everyone has insurance such as uh, public liability. Anyone who owns private land and has people wandering over them is, is absolutely scared of someone having an accident because... Theoretically, you might be sued for hundreds of thousands of pounds. And that's one of the other issues that no one's talking about. So whilst people are on the property, which is private land, um, how are they behaving? They have to behave sensibly. And if you do open this up to the public, then will the insurance situation, will that have to be covered by you? I mean, if you do bring in the tourism side of things, will that be kind of a private enterprise or or can it be run via the OPW? I'll have to pay the cost of the insurance and everything else. Okay. Yes. Otherwise, if people want to come and use the land in the mountains, I'll ask them to pay for the insurance. So or you are you are going to look at the tourism aspect for this in the future for the mill. So that will be open for for certain time periods. But regarding the river access, it, it well, isn't a, it is, is an, that, an open all situation. The thing is, is that the, the lands were, were landscaped at private expense in about two thousand by the. Uh, Owners of the hotel, the boutique hotel that was there. Again, it's all, pri- all private property throughout the history of this. It's only in the last few years because I hadn't been there really over the last five years. I left the site open. Prior to that, it was tenanted. The owners weren't there, mm. but the tenants allowed people also just to come through, although they actually didn't have the right to. The right uh, to do well, what I'm trying to get to before I wrap up because I must go to news at eleven. Basically, the, the river access that people are angry about, what it's open now. Is that going to close again tomorrow or Sunday, or is it going to be restricted well, times? Or m- must people ask to get access to the river, even though it's private lands? People feel that they have a right to the river uh, from that access in Glanworth. Well, well, um, whatever they believe, um, well, as I say, an awful lot of people are actually just going round to the other side of the river and just going for a swim from there. And a lot of the the kids have been doing that. If they, anyone who asks, we've generally been quite good and said, fine, yes, come and use it, no problem. So, given it's private land, we also would therefore expect people that if they came down and we were actually doing something, because I do archery and I, I, I would want to be doing my archery across that area, mm. which is quite a dangerous thing. So then at that moment in time, it's, it's my land, I'm using it. So clearly no one would be able to come across and use that area. So there could be restrictions, you're saying, so... If works are going on, it might be as simple as just to go on and walk down to, to yeah, the river. Yeah, but don't okay. make it sound like I'm being a, a terror here, because just think of this. If, if you came back from holiday and walked to your house and found that someone was picnicking on your lawn, letting their dog run around, and then jumping in your swimming pool, what do you think you would do? Um, you wouldn't be very happy. It's not any different situation to that, other than people seem to have gotten very um, used to the idea that the belief that it was a public property and, and they're coming not. down just for, just for the last few years and it's only the last few years uh, whilst I've left it open and it's mostly my fault for leaving it so open. I should have 
potentially close this five and a half years ago. But I didn't want to because I'm not that type of person. I don't want to close the access other than to try and protect the castle and the mill and all the other ancillary areas. I mean, the OPW came two days ago and closed the castle um, to people because they were spraying. But have I seen a single complaint about the OPW closing the castle and the access to it on that day? I haven't at all. So I just want to sort of put some balance on this. Of, you know, OK, and you have, you've have got your, your, your explanation across on, on why that is happening. Uh, we, we'll see if, I mean, the locals are listening, I'm sure, to this and, and that they'll have the, their views. I mean, you, you've outlined why and if there is anti-social behaviour, that has to be stamped out. For the moment, I have to leave it there, Barry, but thank you for joining us and, yeah. and coming on here this morning to explain your situation anyhow on well, uh, the future of the castle. The uh, thank you. Barry Hunt there, the owner of Glanworth Mill and Castle. Your views are welcome. There's mixed views coming in on uh, f- uh, text. Um, we were hoping to have some locals on air, but they decided to not to go on air now. Um, so you're welcome on 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On that issue in Glanworth, first of all, a lot of people reacting to this saying, I'm 100% with Barry. It is your land, they say. You have every right to stop access to the general public. I would too. Good on you. Don't let anyone force you to do something that you don't need to do. And uh, Jacinta saying, A lot of people in Ireland feel that they have a right of access from old laws, but when you look into them, they actually don't. And there's no legal right so Barry has a point in what he is saying it looks like he's trying to do the best for the area with his tourism project and another person saying leave the guy alone JP people don't have a right to access private property well I'm just saying what the people texting in were putting to me to ask him we were hoping that locals were going to join us so uh, a lot of them uh, pulled out last minute to come on air with us but I was putting those views of uh, those who had an issue with it to Barry uh, so it wasn't my view it was just what was coming in on text or WhatsApp and also a lot of people say when you register a right of access how do you know it can be registered and people have mixed views on what went on there um, and people who tried to go in and could not get in so a lot of mixed views in Glenworth over that but the, you, you heard what, he, what Barry was saying uh, there is antisocial behaviour in the area as well and it does look like there will be some type of restrictions in the main when it comes to the river uh, access which he will remain open but uh, there could be some time restrictions is, is what he is looking at anyway very shortly before midday we're going to hear about a field in Skull and it's home to stunning gigantic sunflowers they're going to be harvested this weekend and raising funds for the bus workers charity fund who are bringing aid to Ukraine we'll hear that and more before midday but the ASTI, uh, they insist it's entering pay talks in good faith despite preparing a ballot for strike action over pay. The union, which represents secondary school teachers, says the government needs to offer a significant pay rise to meet the rising cost of living. Now, the INTO is also planning to ballot its members in the coming weeks, as is the TUY and ASTI Cork member Anne Lachnan now joins me on this. Good morning to you, Anne. Hello, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. I mean, a lot of this is due to teachers uh, who are trying to tackle the cost of living. Many workers are in the same boat. Um, a lot of people are suggesting maybe is preparing a ballot for strike action. Is that going a step too far, considering other industries are not going down this route? No, I don't think it is, John Paul, because uh, we are certainly not going into this straight away. Uh, uh, to hold a ballot within the union takes quite a number of weeks and uh, we are really only doing taking the first steps here and we hope it will not be necessary. Uh, when teachers return in September um, to their classrooms, 
they need to have certainty about what their pay level is. Now, this has been ongoing actually since March. We are working as part of the Irish Congress of Trade Unions Public Services Group. We're working in conjunction with the other unions. And just the background to that is that the, the existing agreement called Building Momentum allowed for basically a 1% increase for um, teachers and other public servants in 2021 and 2022. Now, that agreement included a clause where either side was um, was open to reviewing that. They could trigger a review if circumstances changed. Now, as we all know, circumstances have changed hugely and there's a galloping rate of inflation. I think it's now reached 9% this year. Uh, when that review was actually triggered by the public service unions in March, inflation was only at 5.5, So it's galloped ahead even further since then. Now, we're basically waiting since March for the government to address this. There were um, talks which went on um, in May of this year. They broke up without agreement in June when the government made a very, I suppose, paltry offer, really, uh, which wasn't in any way addressing the level of inflation that has grown in the meantime since the agreement was, was reached. So unions are very unhappy with the treatment of their members. These, remember, are people who worked so assiduously during the lockdown, during COVID, uh, to keep services going. And even apart from that, um, they cannot afford to live. People are very worried facing into the winter. We know the um, essential items, the soaring cost of fuel, electricity, food. That's really worrying people. And we have a lot of teachers who are at the bottom end of the scale who are not on high wages. But indeed, all people are affected by this. And they're finding the cost of living very difficult. And it's a huge cause of stress to them. And we need this addressed soon. There is some talk, but nothing has been, um, I suppose, arranged where uh, where um, uh, talks would begin again. But we're still awaiting those talks to start. So we feel the government, and indeed other unions do feel, that the government is dragging its feet on this. We've had this summer where nothing has happened. Um, the government haven't agreed a date to come into talks, and we just need this to happen. So from what we see, uh, we're quite disappointed, and we... We just want this. We we want this to be treated as a matter of urgency. And if it isn't, we will have no option but to go the industrial route. And what percentage would your union, the ASTI, be happy with by way of an increase? Well, we're not actually um, putting out a figure there. We, but what we are saying is that what was, what was offered was totally insufficient. And what was it's that? Not really, or, or can you say? Uh, the offer was, I think, something around two and a half percent. But we're not we're not putting a figure on it. Certainly in the public airwaves, because it's open to negotiation, and we will be reasonable. But the figures are there, the facts are there, and we need something done to meet these rising costs on people. We need some. The government actually has quite, um, you know, it's in a, quite a good financial position. Uh, to address this, and we need public servants treated with respect. Everything is increasing. The government has good tax returns, so we need some of that to be, I suppose, used so that people won't be worrying every week how they're going to pay for their gas, electricity, their food, how they're going to have fuel to go to work. All of these things are a day-to-day worry for teachers and for other public servants, and all we're asking is that the government really at this stage that they get into negotiations, realistic negotiations, straight away, and get this matter done and dusted. As I said to you at the beginning, there was a clause in the in the present agreement where the, a review could be triggered. We triggered this in March. We're now facing into September, and basically nothing has happened.
And when you're in there as your own union and other teacher unions are, are doing the same regarding this ballot, is the percentage then going to be across the public sector so everybody will be getting the same increase, not just teachers? Or, or would you rather maybe your profession get a different increase than others in the public sector? Oh, no, not at all. We're it would be all one. work as part because the, the existing building momentum agreement is for all public servants and we're working in conjunction with the other teacher unions. We're not looking for anything special for teachers. We're looking we're looking at it in a broad way across the pub service. And you mentioned how hard it is to live and a lot of people would agree with you on this. What are you hearing from teachers with regards to the cost of living? We're hearing that young teachers are finding it impossible to purchase houses. We're finding that the rents are increasing. They just can't make they can't live, they can't pay their bills. Younger teachers are on less pay uh, you know, that, that's an, an associated issue. But it's not just younger teachers on less pay. Everybody is feeling, if you have a 9% inflation rate, well, it's hitting everybody in their pocket. We do know as well there's another associated issue where schools are finding it very hard to fill their cohort of teachers because teachers are, w- w- I suppose, walking out of the profession, going into other industries, and they're going to other countries seeking work because they just simply cannot live in Ireland and their lives are miserable with the what they um, when they find their pay packet just doesn't meet um, a very basic lifestyle. And what would you say then to, as you'd imagine, a lot of calls and texts that come in when we when we have you on, on before and, and even today uh, from those working in private sectors who say, you know, we're in the same position as teachers. We find it hard to put fuel in our car. We cannot afford to buy a house either, but we don't have a union uh, to fight for us. So we're going to be living on those wages and a lot fear the winter. I mean, is it a case of teachers and the public servants are lucky to have unions like yourself fighting for them and basically for the private sector? It's, it's a bit tough luck. No, absolutely not. We have full, I suppose, sympathy and uh, empathy with those people. We're all workers in this situation and we believe that everybody is entitled to be a member of a trade union. We abhor the fact that some people feel they cannot join trade unions. It's a very basic right of a person to be able to organise themselves in their workplace and we would encourage everybody to do that. And we're certainly don't want this to become a them and us situation. We're all workers in this together. We're all trying to live. It just happens to be that I'm speaking here on behalf of the ASTI and we are a union for public servants, but we would work in solidarity with all other workers on this. Well, Pascal Dunahu, the finance minister, was out yesterday looking at tax bans and how to bring in a new tax ban, maybe of 30% um, to deal with the cost of living. And that would give people uh, more of, I suppose, a freedom when it comes to their pay package. There would be different bans uh, for taxation. So if that does come in, that will help. But if he's looking at that, and I mean, as you mentioned there, the country, they have said themselves, isn't doing too bad financially. Uh, and I presume the government will return to DWRC. That's the Workplace Relations Commission on this. Um, if they return and offer a percentage that no one is in agreement with, and this goes on and on until, for example, October or November after the budget, if you're not happy then, and even though this is a ballot, and you said it takes a while for or to implement strike action, will you go ahead, though, with that strike action then because I know before that there's talks of strike action but it actually never happens and some say teachers don't have an appetite for that Uh, is the appetite there do you think and could we see strike action before Christmas if the government don't give what unions want across the board Well John Paul I don't want to be alarmist about this or I don't want to preempt any vote that would take place among our members but from what we're hearing on the ground people are very seriously concerned Uh, 
if it's unfortunate that the government does not provide a realistic, I suppose, outline of what they are prepared to pay public service unions, these ballots will go ahead. And I think we can expect that there will be some fallout from it. And we all hope that it doesn't come to this. We don't want it to happen. But we have outlined our position and it's clear to everybody. We cannot stand by where people are not able to put fuel in their cars. They're not able to buy the basic foods for their family. And they're heading off to other countries, going off to places like Dubai, uh, where they're not paying anything like the rate of tax here. And I'm not saying that we should be like Dubai, but those are very attractive options for teachers. And as a result, there are teaching jobs in Ireland which cannot be filled. There are no applications coming in for many, many jobs. That's what we're hearing. Uh, there are particular subjects where it's almost impossible to fill vacancies in things like Irish and maths. Um, home economics, I suppose, and we've spoken about this before, I think, John Paul on the radio, but it's all feeding in uh, to a crisis situation where basically teachers cannot live with the rate of inflation and the wages they are on. Well, we'll wait and see what happens with those talks if they do resume. I presume they will for the moment. And thanks for joining us on the programme. That is Anne Lochnan there, a member of the ASTI in Cork. Your views are welcome on 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103, especially if you're a teacher listening on what Anne is saying there and the cost of living. A lot of workers as well texting in regarding that. We'll get to those comments very shortly. Uh, as I said, you can call Bernie 0818 103 103. But on the way, we're going to hear how an expression of interest um, for fish from as far away as New Zealand is being sought by the restaurants in the Oireachtas. Uh, many feel, especially in the fishing industry, that the Irish Parliament, as it is, should be proudly displaying Irish fish. Uh, we'll discuss that with those from the fishing organisations next. C103 Jobs. A full-time sales assistant is required in Crystal Earth in Mallow. You can email your CV to sales at crystalearth.ie. Casey's Furniture in the city are looking for to hire a sales consultant. You can send your CV to bernie.hennessy at caseys.ie. And a tipper truck driver is needed in the McCroom area. Contact 086-877-4624 for details. You'll find all these opportunities online right now on c103.ie forward slash Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. And just on the conversation we had earlier from callers and emails we had to the programme across the week, a lot of calls and indeed the Avenue newspaper covered that as well. Uh, and they had letters to them uh, regarding the access to Glanworth Castle and Mill and the access to the river and the access to St Dominic's well. Um, a lot of people c- can see the owner who came on with us Barry Hunt's point of view but also can see the locals point of view and I suppose it's going down to the lack of communication maybe between both of them but here uh, is just two uh, comments in first of all uh, Sally in Dunmanway uh, felt that the that I handled the interview very poorly with the guy because I painted him with a tarnished brush just because he was reluctant to let people trash his land by walking over it. it it's his land. Uh, you sounded like you were on the side of the local residents in Glanworth and not on his side. I think you need to explain on the radio that you weren't on anyone's side. Uh, you disappoint me, says Sally in Dunmanway. Well, no, I, I wasn't on anybody's side and I did agree with him and I think locals would agree as well. You can't have anybody going in destroying the mill Uh, but what I wanted to get to the bottom of was the river access and the access to St Dominic's well that was the majority of emails we got on calls was was just regarding the access to the river and the well and I think overall the majority of to here anyhow uh, callers felt that the the mill access and the castle access whatever you want to call it that you know they could understand why that would need to be restricted 
And I'm sure, as he outlined his tourism plans, that they would welcome the plans uh, to the, the tourism side of things for Glanworth. Uh, but there were so many emails that came into us and questions that came into us by text. And when we had an opportunity that Barry was good enough to come on air and talk to us, I was putting those you know questions from the public to him. So it wasn't my view of what was happening in Glanworth. It was the public and the local people in the area and those who used the mill uh, were texting and sending us letters. And we were putting that into Barry, who was happy enough to to answer those questions as he agreed to come on and he said he was open to answer anything. We were hoping to have locals on the air uh, that didn't join us, unfortunately, towards the end of the interview, but still he was open to questions. So it wasn't that we were having a go at him. Uh, I mean, he, he he wanted to come on and explain his side, but we did have to put the, the questions that were coming into us uh, to him and he was happy to, get, to do that. So, I mean, we totally get what is going on. But, you know, if, if people have questions to ask, uh, we, we can ask so many. Uh, and this is from someone then living in... Um, in Glanworth, uh, he says, I listened to your interview with Barry and I live in Glanworth Village and I can get where he is coming from. Uh, but I think it's the lack of communication within the village that has escalated this situation. If plans and a timeline were visible around the entrance of the mill, i.e. heavy machinery for the month of August and no access for spraying, etc., the locals then would have an idea of when not to go there. I know it's not the usual way to go for doing up a private residential area, but he has to understand the castle is in our area for the village and I suppose part of the village for many many years I would like to see the mill lived in and used says this texter but a lane from the entrance to the steps of the castle and St Dominic well would keep the peace Uh, well I think Barry is trying to do that whether there's going to be um a time restriction on that or not I'm not too sure but uh, just some of the texts uh, from people regarding the issue in Glanworth that hopefully uh, will get somewhere resolved but I think that from like that last texter there and others that have been in touch with us a lack of communication I think has escalated a lot of the situation for those who are living in Glanworth Village anyhow uh, your views are welcome 0818103103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 now the Oireachtas has been criticised for asking suppliers to quote for fish prices for its restaurants from as far away as New Zealand. The fish would then be served at the restaurants within Leinster House and obviously enough, local fishermen are not happy with this. Patrick Murphy, Chief Executive of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation joins me. Uh, Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning, PJ. Good morning, Fiddlest. You'll understand everything must go out for tender. Uh, were you surprised, though, when you heard quotes coming from New Zealand? Mm. Yeah, su- surprised is one word. Disappointed is another, I would use. Um, our industry, as everybody knows from your kind um, allowance of, 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 of putting our words and, and thoughts onto the airways so that people can hear what, what's happening to our industry and their industry in their resources, mm. to hear that uh, the houses of the Oireachtas were going to look for a million euros worth of fish over three years and to be so inconsiderate, you know, and, and cognizant of what's happening to the industry is, is what we're really disappointed in. Everybody's entitled to a course of, of getting their food from wherever they want, but we felt that the way things are going with government policy cutting down on carbon emissions and everything else, this flew in the face of it, especially when our industry is looking at as annihilation and losing up to 60 boats of 180 that are there. Like, And this would definitely fly in the face of that, what we're looking for. 
And you mentioned there the carbon footprint. I mean, that's a very good point. If they were going to import fish with all the talk from the Green Party at the moment, you're then, you know, bringing fish from at the far side of the world uh, to Ireland. And we have spoke many a times about the, the future of the fishing industry and, and what is suggested about, you know, the, the fleet and the decommissioning of fleet that we're debating at the moment uh, and that you are debating with government and the EU at the moment. Surely, Patrick, from everybody involved in fishing, that anybody that wants to go to the National Irish Parliament's fish, Irish fish, should be proudly displayed on their menus. You would hope anyhow to think that. Yeah, well, not only that, look, we're, we're cognizant of everybody in free will and free choice and everything else, um, John Paul. So we've, we've written to the Council look, and, uh, and uh, the chair of the Arapsis Committee looking with industry to do a presentation of the fish that we have in our own waters to show them not only is the fish here the right fish to be buying, but it's the better fish. It's the better flavour fish. It's the freshest fish. It's the best you can get. We would compete with any fish in, in the world, and we believe that there is no need to go looking for other fish. We have enough variety and different species of fish in our own waters to meet any palate, you know, in, in the country. And we want the country themselves to understand this. We should start eating more of our own locally sourced, locally produced food. We see this as being one of the targets for Borbia and other agencies to support local and support own. And we're asking for our politicians to do the same. And when you see our own market here in the marine, and a lot of marine experts are coming out on this, but we export so much of our own fish to high-end markets in Europe, you'd wonder then, you know, if we're doing that, why can't we do it for our own? Exactly. Look, we... We're, we're always trying to get people to eat more of, of the beautiful fish that, that's caught across our shorelines. We come back from holidays and we're always talking about the beautiful fish that we get on the continent. And I just want people to know that, just like you said, a lot of that fish that they're eating actually originates from Ireland. It's transported across. You don't need to go out far to eat Irish fish. You can eat it at home and put it part of your diet. The only thing I would advise people is when you're eating fresh fish, eat it that night. Don't be putting it in the fridge or the freezer. It's no longer fresh. Eat it when you get it. Plan it and, and, and eat it and keep it simple. And I'm an advocate for that and hopefully Bordia as well will start putting on new ads, and which I know they're doing in the next few weeks to tell how cake and haddock are so nutritious and so healthy and so tasty for us to eat. So we're taking the opportunity of being disappointed to reach out to our politicians in their office and lead by example show the Irish public that this food that we catch, that we go to see, risk our lives in doing so during gales and storms is there for everybody to, to eat and enjoy. And it's good food. It's, there's no additives or preservatives or anything put into this food. This is healthy, full of omega oils. And, you know, all the nutrition is there. All the, all the experts will tell you this is the right food to eat. And you are going to be waiting to hear back from those in the Oireachtas that make those decisions. And you said, you know, you're willing to go and show them the, the fish we have here in, in Ireland. Uh, will you show how to cook? Will you show them the advantages like you mentioned there? Yeah, our, our offer is that we bring chefs in and the fresh fish ourselves and go up and promote it and stand outside, be there for the cameras, be for anybody who's interested in going in and cook it. They have plenty of cameras inside the Oireachtas. Maybe they'll videotape it and, and broadcast that. We don't know what they will do for us, but we're offering what we can do for them. And hopefully that they will uh, see the merit in what we're asking for and, and come and work with us. Work with their own people to show that we have 
something worth protecting and worth minding, our natural fish resources around the coastline and a food security that is there if we hold on to it for future generations, but also that will contribute to our economy, put money in the coffers to the exchequer for paying nurses, doctors, all the civil servants that we treasure in our country. We are an industry that create wealth from a natural resource and put it into the economy here. And that's why we're so disappointed that it's a slash and burn rather than look for more fish should be the priority. But we keep working on it, PJ. And again, we cannot say this enough to 103FM and yourself and Patricia without you putting out our thoughts and feelings and what we believe is right to the airwaves it wouldn't get out there. And we're really appreciative for this opportunity. Yeah, well, I suppose the, the reason that this came to light was there's so much talk about supporting our own from Linster House and then you see this and as you said, you know, they have to tender for, for for different items for Linster House but with an industry that is in trouble uh, with the, the likes of carbon footprint as we mentioned, just the idea of, of going and getting those prices for fish uh, from the likes of New Zealand, it just does seem far-reaching uh, and that's why I think people had a to know what was going on but regarding your own industry as you mentioned there and we spoke to you a number of weeks ago regarding the decommissioning of fleets which was coming from the EU uh, any upgrade, update on that or any progress being made? Well the, the progress sadly is being made on putting together the documents and stuff but we're not a party of that. We, we put in a, a list of recommendations within the task force report um, the Irish South and West didn't agree with the majority of them because we felt it wasn't going to be fair to our fishermen. And again, we're not included in how this is being drafted or interpreted. We'll have to wait and see what's being put out there. But all we're looking for, um, PJ, despite this being horrific and being absolutely wrong in my view, it's crazy to be wiping out your own uh, tools to make uh, money for our country with the, with the best fish, as I believe, in, in the world around our shorelines, as you said, high-end fish. Um, and we're only catching two in every 10. We should be increasing that to four in every 10. That would double our fish. And then we would have some industry in our own country and no need to decommission. We'd be looking to build. So what we're looking for in this decommissioning is to see the minister listen to us and maybe try and ask Europe to set us up that's being taken out of circulation to put it into a future fishermen if things turn around and access to get back into the industry. They were one of the suggestions that we were asking for, but we don't know, PJ, and it, it, it's a horrific time. You use that word lightly for a lot of families around the coastline wondering, yes, we have to leave the industry taken from us. We can continue to make the living criminalised and prosecuted just for doing our job catch the wrong fish. And we have seen that happen unfortunately before in other industries and you know we don't want to see it happening in, in fishing because we, we've seen the devastation to certain towns uh, across Ireland when an industry has left. I suppose the sugar one was a big talk uh, back in, wasn't it, 2006-2007 when they were closing that and we saw the effects that had on towns and how towns had to have recover um, Mallow, one of them and, and change because of the lack of staff that were working in that town. So you know the coastal towns will have the same if this does go. Hopefully it won't and hopefully talks will continue. Very finally, Patrick, just a text in here from somebody who's saying so you're on and you're willing to export fish abroad, but you don't want to import from New Zealand. It sounds like that Patrick is talking out of both sides of his mouth. What would he say to that, Patrick? Well, look, as I said, we, we didn't say that we didn't want fish being imported and we wanted to put the case to the people inside that the better choice would be Irish fish. 
the European Union, that's the, not two sides of my mouth. It's the other countries are the ones where the markets are, and that's where you sell your produce, just like our beef or chicken or eggs or, or any other things that we produce in the country. This is an um, open economy. That's why we're part of the European Union. That's the good side. That's why we want to remain within the European Union as open and fair access to other markets. We mightn't see it as fairly as we'd like to see it, but that's where it is. But we we, did, we never said that the Iraqis should be uh, just buying only Irish, as I said that from the start. We're, mm. we're looking that we want to show them and demonstrate them we're the better choice for a number of reasons. But look, maybe that caller has a, a different viewpoint to mine, and I have no problem with other people who have different points of view. And if they could articulate that rather than challenging my ones and put up their own ones, it might be better and more productive. But look, that's up to each individual to make their own, each their own. Okay, Patrick, well, we'll wait and see if you are going to be outside Linster House cooking fish for the politicians, depending on what happens with that tender for the moment. Thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Yep. Can I just make one more point? You can. We saw the loss of the jobs and and what happened with the sugar beet Mm -hmm. industry and other industries that have lost. But people have to understand that to replace that, we spend Irish money importing these goods from other countries. And that's the loss of circulation and jobs. It's not just about what we lose. It's the long-term effects. And we're going to suffer them as well, too, in our industry. These are natural resources and industries that generate wealth within the country. And when they're gone, that wealth goes with them. True. And money will be spent another way then to reinvest in the areas. OK, Patrick, for the moment, thanks, thanks for joining us. That is Patrick Murphy there. He was chief executive of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103. A stunning field of sunflowers will be harvested this coming weekend on the Mizzen. Billy O'Regan joins me as he organised the Sunflowers for Ukraine plot on their site in Skull. Good morning to you, Billy. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. Did you come up with this idea, first of all, to plant the sunflowers? Yes, I did. Um, I suppose when the Ukraine crisis erupted, um, I thought I'd do something. And I was at home one night with the wife, Denise, and thinking, of what, plant, thinking what should I do? And... Then I just asked Denise, what's the national symbol of Ukraine? And she said the sunflower, and that's where the idea came from. Um, I had never actually seen a sunflower in reality, but anyway, that's where it started. Oh, you never had seen one grow in, in real life? No, i never seen one apart from a magazine or on TV. I, I didn't know anything about sunflowers, even though, you know, that's the first sunflower I saw growing is in the plot I have now. And the plot we speak about, you previously grew pumpkins, wasn't it, on that site, which you very kindly gave to those in plot, the area there? On a plot close by, that's right. On a plot, yeah, so, so were you used to growing in that area? Did you Were you worried that maybe the sunflowers would grow or maybe would not grow, considering you, yes. you weren't too sure on them? When we first planted the sunflowers, we kept it reasonably quiet because I wasn't sure would they grow or what the climate, the wind, would it knock them over um, and all these things. They grew and flourished, and I have a half acre, looking good at the moment anyway. And on a, a very sunny day today there in Skull, I'm sure they look gorgeous looking over the, the field. You you can see the, the Atlantic and the ocean there from but that particular field. We can Roaring Water Bay and Crew Bay, yeah, it's in the distance, and yeah, the forecast is good for Sunday as well. I think it's the last good day we have uh, for a while, so everything is working out well for us at the moment anyway. 
Yeah, stunning views from your location. Yeah. And Billy, did people come on board then locally when war got out, what you were doing and the reason you were growing the sunflowers? Yeah. um, I ploughed first on local websites um, looking for if anyone was interested in helping out and both getting seeds and then Fruit Hill Farm in Bantry um, rang me saying that they would donate all the seeds, which they did five kilograms of sunflower seed. Um, so I had the seeds within a day. Um, and then next first mo- next morning, Michael Soppel, the local farm contractor in Skull, said he would plough and rotate the, the plot and he would do it free of charge whenever I wanted. And he did that on the 7th of May and that's where it started. And then you needed a lot of people to get involved with the planting and sowing of these seeds. That's right. Um, I could have got a machine in and planted it, you know, with a machine, but I thought it would be good to get community involved. So I asked we put it online again, would people like to come out and help? I expected 10 or 15 or 20 people, but we got between 80 and 100 people turned up. Um, I think we had seven different nationalities turned up, and it was actually my first time ever meeting a Ukrainian person, and... Yeah, they're such great people. Um, yeah, we had a good day and everything worked out great, yes. And were they taken back at the generosity of the area and how many people were willing to help out for the cause? Yes, they were. Um, they were, yeah, they were overwhelmed by the whole thing. Um, I had first thought about the funds from the from this would go towards the Ukrainian people living here and to go towards the host families. But all the Ukrainian people met that day said no. We're okay. Um, please send it back to the people in Ukraine. Cause the people back home need it. So, yeah, I met a lot of Ukrainian people um, since, and they're such resilient people, um, great people, I think. Um, so they inspired me to keep going, and yeah, that's where we're at the moment. So people can go along now to this field and the site and see the gigantic sunflowers. And is it that they can purchase one, Billy, and then the funds raised will go towards the birth workers charity who do great work, but at the moment they are delivering aid to Ukraine? That's right, yeah. The birth workers charity, Dario O'Shea, is the chairman. Um, yeah, on the day people can come, there's free admission. We have a bouncy castle. Um, bouncy castle's on the site. We have tug-of-war. Um, the hurling accuracy tournament um we have a lot of different events going on that are all free um where the funds come in is when people go in to pick sunflowers on the way out um we expect a donation on the at the coming out of the plot onto the field um that's basically it um and we're hoping people will be generous on the day hopefully they will be and i know you have a gofundme page as well uh, set up and we'll share details of that that's on our it, twitter yes. feed yeah, for, for updates and to donate we have a go on our Facebook page it's Sunflowers for Ukraine dash Cork and all the details in and the GoFundMe link are on that page Very good well Billy well done to you and your wife Denise the photos if people have not seen them you'll see them online and indeed on our own website it's a fantastic looking field of sunflowers and with the weather we're having now and the view from your location there it is stunning they're going to be harvested though as we said earlier uh, this weekend On Sunday the 14th that's from 12 noon can people go along and have a look at all oh, of this yes, happening? I'm, yeah. I'm hoping people will come along and enjoy the day. And um, yeah, everything, the weather is good and we have a lot of events on. So plenty of parking spaces and everything. I can't see any problems, really. It should be good. Well, well done, Billy, again. And to all involved there. And hopefully you'll raise a, a lot of funds for that age going thanks, to Jean-Paul, Ukraine. I appreciate you contacting us. And thanks for joining us this morning, Billy. Thanks.
Cheers, bye. Yeah, a lot of comments then, first of all, from our interview with Patrick Murphy regarding the fish and the uh, restaurants within Linster House and the Oroctus who have expressed interest in fish from outside of Europe uh, through, I presume, as a, as some type of a tendering process. But anyhow, on this, Mike says, well, shame on our government for not supporting Irish fishermen, not just on the sourcing of fish. I guess on this issue, we now need to ought to know, anyhow, where does the doll get its lamb and its beef from as well says Mike and also Jacinta is saying the same thing if they're asking where our fish is being sourced surely then farmers will need to know where lamb and beef is being sourced I understand uh, that they can source items across Europe but as far away as New Zealand uh, surely as the Irish Parliament even though they are entitled to choose from outside of Ireland they should be pushing Irish brands and supporting Irish local industry uh, says Jacinta to 0862103103 on text or WhatsApp. You can call Bernie on 0818103103. And a number of WhatsApps then asking, are they giving out free school books at the schools today? Uh, well, no, it's not at the schools and it's not school books. This is Feed Cork. And Feed Cork are handing out school stationery packs to families who need extra support. And they are doing that today and tomorrow. Now, the food bank for Feed Cork, it's located on Lower Oliver Plunkett Street in the city centre. And they'll be distributing the packs until four o'clock this afternoon. And in these packs, they include copy books, they include folders and pencil cases and essentials also. So not school books, uh, but essentials uh, for those who are returning back to school. Again, that's today and tomorrow at the food bank on Lower Oliver Plunkett Street in the city centre until four o'clock. And on what I mentioned earlier about the government looking at various tax bans and changing that and saying uh, by looking at the various tax bans that uh, it'll be giving workers especially an extra 500 to 1,000 euros. Well, on this, Mossy says if the government say they are putting this amount of money into people's pockets from upcoming tax changes this year, that is fine, but that's only less than one fill of home heating oil. What about the increasing cost of groceries then? And outside of that, car, fuel, rinse, electricity, etc. Are the government having a laugh? People need €5,000 extra in their accounts, not maybe uh, extra of €500 or €1,000 if they even get that in their income due to tax changes, says Mossy on WhatsApp to 0862103103. You can call Bernie on 0818103103. Our lines are open, 0818103103. Bernie taking your uh, comments across the rest of the show until one. You can always text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And we spoke earlier, this was to Anlock Nan, who's an ASDI member here in Cork. And at this stage from this morning, uh, we know now that all three teacher trade unions are going to ballot members on industrial action over pay. Uh, this uh, TUI, of course, this morning, the latest union to urge the government to return to the Workplace Relations Commission with what they have described as an improved wage proposal uh, to address the current cost of living crisis for teachers. The ASTI, who we spoke with, do represent secondary school teachers, but now all unions are going to go uh, and, and ballot members for strike action if they don't get uh, satisfactory results 
results from the WRC along with the government and this is across as Anne said earlier all public sector unions a lot of commentary on this regarding teachers if you are a teacher like a lot of people have already reacted you can let us know uh, your views on text or WhatsApp 0862103103 but uh, here's a number of views in from people who are not teachers and have uh, children going to school and also from teachers first of all uh, this is a text from a person who says here we go again with the teachers first of all they were all for COVID and got paid not one of them offered to return the money and don't tell me they were working from home my grandchildren never heard from one of their teachers my daughter had to pay to have them taught online they're moaning all the time they have less hours than any other country with regards to teaching they're in at nine out of two I'm actually fuming that children will be disrupted again uh, says that texter and uh, just on the, uh, on the other side of that teachers will say that they did work uh, at home during the COVID they did teach online and they did provide a service uh, you know I suppose maybe the teacher uh, teaching your grandchild for some reason didn't do that but others will say they did do this and they uh, were online everyday teaching uh, just to offer a bit of balance from the teacher side on that and another texter here is saying sorry now teachers did not work for two years got full pay and they cannot offer to live joke who do they think they are what about the people that lost their jobs over the pandemic period during COVID when the lockdowns were at their highest people lost their jobs what about the people that had to go out to work and let their children on their own says this texter while Carol says some people keep saying there is no appetite for teachers to strike but I am a teacher and I do feel we have to strike if we need to there is plenty appetite among my colleagues to strike we had to go out and work in unsafe conditions during the height of Covid in classrooms with 20 to 30 children and in the depths of the winter we were in those classrooms with the windows open the cold coming in and we all taught in very cold conditions so this is why we deserve a pay rise others did not have to work in cold conditions and packed rooms says Carol while Donald feels people need to be realistic with regards to pay rises in the public service if the country can afford it fine but remember it's the country paying you not a private enterprise says Donald Kieran says everyone could have been a teacher we all filled out the CEO forms at school so you could have chosen that profession too to those who were giving out JP about teachers uh, they all could have been one if they wanted to become a teacher says Kieran and Diane is a teacher on WhatsApp Diane feels it's the unions pushing this and makes teachers out in a bad light why would we welcome an increase it would it would look very bad in this current circumstances when other workers are not getting this opportunity or don't have unions to fight for them uh, she feels uh, the unions uh, pushing this is putting teachers in a bad light says Diane on WhatsApp to 0862103103 some of your thoughts regarding the teachers and uh, when we spoke with Patrick Murphy there earlier from the fishing organisations and others who uh, were texting in regarding what's happening with the Doyle looking to source fish as in the restaurant within the Oireachtas and Linster House looking to source fish from as far away as New Zealand this is an expression of interest that went up and people are just saying why not just choose Irish fish when you're 
serving this in the Parliament of Ireland and if people are visiting surely they'll expect Irish fish now uh, those involved in fishing industries know that you know you can and that they have to tender within Europe but still people are questioning why go so far as New Zealand Colm is in Buttevant uh, Colm feels the Dáil caterers should act like a hotel they source local products why would the Dáil put out a contract so far away when we are in Europe anyhow but good point from Colm I mean should they act like many hotels do now uh, here in Cork and in Ireland whereby as much as they can they do look and try to get the products and produce they serve to us on our t- on the table when you go to a restaurant or a hotel uh, most of those are local and they do their best to source local products so the same should be done uh, within Dáil Aaron Fields Column and that's a good point uh, Column and Butterfant onto Bernie on 0818103103 a number of emails into the show as well across the morning first of all uh, Noreen in Arhala and she wants to know if other people uh, are having this situation because she has what looks like flying ants at her back door and they are climbing the wall. She woke up yesterday morning to a number of them uh, along her kitchen window and again yesterday evening late at around nine o'clock they were all over her back door. Some got in. Uh, she was trying different ways to get rid of them. She's also been looking for a product called Raid, I think it is. It seems to be sold out in most shops but she's also used washy up liquid and water but anyone else have ideas or have these what look like uh, flying ants uh, which are climbing all over the back of our house in particular the uh, back window of her kitchen and the back door which is all located outside her kitchen uh, I'm sure other people I've heard of this in the last few weeks people having problems with these flying ant type creatures which are uh, when there's one or two of them out of nowhere there seems to be about 40 or 50 of them and they stick themselves to a wall either outside or could be inside your house as well anyhow Noreen thankfully is keeping them out at the moment uh, but anybody else in that situation like Noreen and Arhala any tips for her uh, let us know 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and Heritage Week is being celebrated in Gagan just outside Bandon they are unveiling a, a timeline of the Clonakilty Junction a history of the in Gagan from 1870 to 1961 and they're also going to launch a booklet it's all going ahead on Sunday that's this coming Sunday at 4 o'clock in the Gagan Community Hall everyone is welcome and I'm sure if anybody uh, does travel towards West Cork whether you're living in the area or you travel as a visitor or as a tourist you'll all be very familiar as you leave Bandon to head towards Clonakilty, uh, the sign is still there. The original Clonakilty Junction sign is still in place there uh, in Gagan. And now they're going to celebrate what was historically a very busy junction for the West Cork Railway line. I've closed, of course, that did close uh, in 1961. They're going to look into that in more detail in Heritage Week. So best of luck to all there. This coming Sunday, four o'clock at the Gagan Community Hall. And just on Puck Fair, because we had a lot of calls earlier when I mentioned, of course, the... Uh, puck in Clorglin that the puck itself the goat was brought down yesterday and I presume as well today due to the high temperatures uh, they did have the even though he was confined he was still brought down in the, in the shade yesterday afternoon and the spokesperson said that once it cools down 
he will go back up again but once the temperatures are, are, are increasing they will have him in the shade local vet inspects the goat every day and a lot of people are on including Liam in Bronf regarding the Gardaí uh, saying surely the Gardaí should be involved in protecting the goat is it animal cruelty asks Liam in Bronf well yes the Gardaí were there yesterday and the Gardaí did confirm uh, that the wild goat had been brought down uh, from its pedestal and they were watching this happen so the Gardaí are involved whether they have any authority to, to you know tell the organisers to bring the goat down or not I don't know but regarding that situation they have a local vet and the Department of Agriculture are involved as well with regards to that decision and the local vet advised those running the festival to bring the goat down and put the goat in shade and I do presume that is happening as well today. Your lines are open 0818 103 103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see Cork Coco. Timothy Community Bingo that's going to take place this evening at 8 o'clock in the Community Hall in Timaleague and Bingo in Mallow GAA Complex that starts tonight at 8.15 in Mallow while a temporary exhibition entitled Ben Blow the local story that will open at the Independence Museum in Kilmurray and it's opening today there at that museum in Kilmurray and Kadolri Bingo that's going to be held this evening in the newly renovated old store in the Creamer Yard. Doors open at 7pm. Eyes down at 8. Fans are excited. The sun is out. And this is a big economic boost for Cork to look ahead to everything you need to know. Our reporter Murray Tuig joins me this afternoon. Hi Murray. Hi JP, how are you? I am fine. Now there's a, a montage of a number of very <laughs> popular Westlife songs there that I'm sure fans will be looking forward to tonight. I mean, they have some fantastic songs. It's only when we were going through that this morning I realised uh, if you're not a Westlife fan or if you're just going along, you will enjoy this because they have really great songs. But uh, just on the act itself, I mean, there's so much interest, Marie. You're You're a massive fan, aren't you? I am. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, they're a class act. And I was laughing, like, this is the Wild Dreams Tour. And I say it's going to be everything and more in terms of wildness. But they're just like, you know, like this was planned back in, what, 2019 for 2020. Then they added the second date. Then it was postponed and rescheduled twice. And now it's like, you know, 2022, August, the sun is shining, the temperatures are high in Westlife or in Parky Cueve. And as you said, like their catalogue, their collection of songs is just unreal and like they have so many you know old old golden ones and then you've got the, the the new ones you know hello my love I know it's out a few years now but like they're they're just class like everything they release is fantastic and I've seen clips on TikTok recently like they're even starting to sing ABBA now in their shows it's like you never know what you're going to get and I'd say it's just going to be mighty crack and I, I suppose, you know, having live events back, I know we've had a few concerts in, in Parky Cueve and the Marquee and um, in Musgrave Park as well. But it's just great to be able to get back out there and enjoy it, you know, and, and just have fun. And I think that's the that's the main message for today. But of course, with the high temperatures, we have to be careful as well, you know. So uh, it's important to wear the sunscreen and drink plenty of fluids, you know. Yeah, and a lot of people on to us already with various questions about parking, For first of all. I mean, people are driving in from various parts of Cork and outside of Cork as well. What is in relation to parking the device? So I suppose the main advice here is that there is no parking, you know, in the vicinity, no public parking in and around Parky Creek. So, you know, 
try and have that plan in place before you hit the city you know there's plenty of public car parks around the city at uh, the multi-story car parks that is so just uh there's probably the, the main ones but then if you do have a pass to get through to there is the, a car park within the the outer cordon the outer cordon being a uh, center park road and monaghan road there there is a car park in there and there's also the car park at the live of the marquee uh which should be for people who do have passes so uh people with, with disability parking now MCD have said that the blue badge is not enough uh, to get through the cordon to get down there. So if you do require parking, um, you do you need to email access at mcd.ie now. Um, and at this stage in the day, MCD are saying, you know, include your phone number, the show date, which would either be tonight or tomorrow night, the full name, the registration and make and model of your car um, and they will do their their utmost to get that sorted for you. So you do need the pass. The blue badge isn't enough to get through. You do need the, the access pass from MCD. So do get onto that now if you do require uh, the parking at the Live of the Marquee spot. And the, the guards are asking, you know, if you can be there by five o'clock because come five o'clock, you know, the gates are open at six, but come five, you're going to have people filing down to Parky Cueve. They're going to be getting in there to get there in time for the support tax which is Wild Youth at 6.30, Emily Sandy at 7.30. So once the, the pedestrian traffic is there, it becomes a, a safety concern then if you do have vehicles going up and down Central Park Road and Monaghan Road. So ideally, if you can get there by five o'clock, that's that's the message from the Gardaí. So again, if you do require the, the parking at the Life of the Marquee, do get in touch, access at mcd.ie and, uh, and they'll... Uh, with your request and, and they'll come back to you there to sort that out and for you know there is public transport and they're pushing that that public transport is an option as well and but Sarah are saying that route 202 and 202a it goes from holly hill to maham point and back uh, so that's in operation now i was checking so that's perfect to get there there is buses um which will be running after the concert but not so many so the 202 it ends just after 11 so the concert the curfew for the concert is 10:45 it might be over a little bit before that so i'd say the 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 buses will be fairly packed um coming back from there but there is some buses running after the concert but again up till around 11 or just after 11 o'clock and the guards are asking people you know do you have a plan in place ever before you set out to go to the concert in terms of how you're going to get home because that's so important because like we've 80,000 people going down between tonight and tomorrow night if you split that into 40,000 each evening so there is a lot of people going to be around so it is so important to have a plan in place before you go um, and I suppose as I mentioned with, with the high temperatures as well it's so important to stay hydrated put on your sunscreen and MCD who's the promoter for, for the Westlife concerts um, they're saying you can bring in a single use soft plastic bottle now they will take the lid off it um, as you're as you're going in through security, but they have water refill points on the pitch, which is so important to keep the hydration going. So do bring your 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 soft uh, plastic bottle, a single use one. So that would be one that you might buy in the shop or that you might have at home. And they will take the lid off it, um, but you will have a bottle with you. You'll be able to refill it on the pitch, uh, which is so important because you know you're going to be out in the warmth and the heat. Obviously, the later in the evening it gets, the the cooler and probably more comfortable it gets. But you will be able to refill your your water bottles there so that is really important they'll have some for sale as well um, in the venue so that's a really important message today that that was a question that a lot of people were wondering can we bring our water with us so as I say a single use soft plastic bottle and they will take the lid off it just for again safety reasons and uh, and you will be able to refill it so that's an important message to share.
And regarding Westlife then themselves, I mean, I wasn't aware, but they have a lot of connections to Cork. Some of the members of Westlife anyway uh, are well known to people in various parts of the city and county. Absolutely. So it was Nicky Byrne. He used to play soccer for Cove Ramblers. So um, he, I remember back in 2019 at the press conference, he was talking about that. And then Mark Feheli came along and said that he used to play tennis for Connacht and he played in Douglas. So they're no strangers to Cork. I mean, they played at the Marquee before as well. So it's interesting to to hear their connections with Cork. And uh, Shane Filan, I saw on, on Instagram, they were down in Photo Wildlife Park yesterday, him and his family, and um, they were getting the photo experience. So they're really enjoying their, their time in Cork and I suppose seeing the, the sights and sounds of Cork and, and what the place has to offer and I'd say they're really looking forward to playing at Parky Cueve I mean it's it's an experience for us as fans but it must be a real experience for you know any performer as well to to be able to perform there and I suppose Westlife being Irish and appreciating the GAA and the, the sport you know it's probably pretty cool to you know to be performing in a, in a GA stadium that's renowned with you know seeing, seeing the all the teams playing there so being able to, to have a concert there must be pretty cool from from their side as well you know so they've been uh they've been doing their their sound checks I, I know you heard it yourself yesterday jp that they were doing their sound checks so they're i'd say they're mad for road and as i say the wild dreams to her i mean it's, it's bound to be exciting you know what i mean it is and as you say we've had elton john we've had it cheer and now we have westlife and the only difference here is they're irish they understand the crowd they understand the <laughs> significance of the ga so it could be maybe a wilder event than the last two big gigs at parky cueve and it's the amount of people i mean while we're all here in cork there's a huge amount of people travelling from other parts of the country to Cork this weekend. I'm aware of people even texting in who are, have landed from Manchester and London and other parts of the UK to come to tonight's gig and indeed for tomorrow. So it's bringing a, a lot of tourism to Cork and a, a big economic boost for hotels and the nighttime economy. This is it. Like I was talking to to Joe Kennedy yesterday. He's the the chair of the Cork branch of the Irish Hotels Federation. He's the general manager up in the Maldron and Shandon. And he was telling me like that hotel rooms across Cork are, are booked out for this weekend because you married it with the the Iron Man and Yall as well. So you've got people coming in from that and people coming for Westlife. And there's a lot of events going on in Cork over the weekend. There's a lot of reason for people to be visiting. And like you know, he said it's great to see it. I think there's something like five thousand hotel uh, rooms in Cork and. Uh, allowing for 12,000 bed spaces so that's amazing to see and it's important you know to realise the economic boost that these big events have and, and look into next year you know that there's more and more of it and that we keep it's an opportunity to promote Cork that's what Michael O'Donovan of the, the VFI said you know it's it's a great opportunity now we've got people coming in for a reason like Westside for Ironman but it gives Cork an opportunity to promote itself so that when these people go back home they say oh Cork was mighty Do you know I'm going to go back there again for no particular reason only then just a holiday and, and enjoy the experience so it's great opportunity to see these big concerts and when you have the likes of you know mcd and and the likes of aiken i mean they're coming back year and year so and acts seem to love playing in cork i mean you know you mentioned elton sean ed sheeran it wasn't ed's first time in cork either so it's, it's clear that he enjoys his time here and that he wants to come back so the more of that the better because it drives cork and you know it's it's brilliant for an economic boost for not just the city but the county as well it's so important and as you said there hearing that people are flying in from the likes of manchester i mean that's great you know there's such a spin-off from these um, events that it's just fantastic for Cork and I was talking to Kevin Hurley in the CVA as well and like he said you know I mean you mix it with the fine weather and 
just what Cork has to offer and the spin-off business from these um, events is just fantastic and it's so so welcome in Cork and you know again just going back to the advice from the guards as well like you know they're saying it's not often that they'd be issuing advice to tell people to take care in the, the warm weather but that's just the, one of the main points for this evening when you're making your plan and you're packing your bag you know have your your water with you and have your sunscreen and just stay hydrated and that's the main message here you know we wouldn't be so used to the the warm temperatures and i know i don't mean to be saying that we don't want them we love it of course but it's just important to allow for it you, you know it's a bit of a stretch walking down from a Centre Park Road, Monaghan Road, to get to Parky Cueve. And in the warm weather, that can that's only kind of, I suppose, compounds it even more. So it's just, you know, take your time, allow yourself the time to get down there, enjoy it, enjoy the, the lead up and the, the atmosphere, the build up. Sure, we know ourselves when we're walking down, it's all a bit of crack. So give yourself yeah. the chance to take it all in and have your water, have your sunscreen, bring your hat and, and you'll be sorted. And look, if you are bringing a bag, just, you know, if small bags will be allowed in, there'll probably be searches when you're going in. So outside of of your bottle of water no other liquids um to bring with you and you know it just be be conscious of what you are bringing with you mcd have some information on their website mcd.ie in terms of what you can and can't bring in and being respectful is is another message as well you know when you are going down this everyone's going to be really buzzed and excited so just remember this is a residential area and when you are leaving the, the stadium later as well you know respect the stewards respect the guards that are on duty they're there for for the patron safety you know and, and just I suppose play ball is, is the word you know and everyone will enjoy it and it's just great to great to see it great to have the buzz and uh, and yeah just just have fun and enjoy Westlife well you too Maureen you enjoy Westlife later we'll, we'll see you later on uh, across uh, the, the city there'll be a, as you say just a mighty buzz uh, across the uh, city centre ahead of the, the gigs tonight and tomorrow night and a lot of people on uh, looking forward to this again just to reiterate because I have a number of texts and calls coming in on this about late night buses there isn't any late night buses so again after 11 usually the late city buses are around 11.30 11.20 so just be aware of that for the moment Maureen enjoy the gig tonight Thanks, JP. You Take too. Care. Take care. Our reporter there, Murray Tuig, uh, joining us live from the city centre ahead of Westlife at Parky Cueve tonight on the Flying Ants. Margaret, who is in Tallow, says, I had the same problem as uh, that lady in Arhala. I got ant power. So ant powder, if you can buy that, that was the answer to her problems in Tallow. And also Mary in the city, uh, she had the same, but she says as soon as they stop, as soon as they start, even they stop again uh, as fast. So that's good to know. Thank you, Mary, for that. And Nippon, a lot of people are saying they put down Nippon on their back door and they did not come in. Or lavender, Louise says, I had lavender at uh, my patio door and that deterred them for a while. And just on parking, Marie says, JP, car parking in the city is so expensive 350 per hour in Merchant's Key and North Main Street and Paul Street it's all gone up so people are going to Westlife just to be aware of that of the parking charges that have increased and on street parking too has gone up to 250 so just be aware of that thank you Marie for your text and finally on the teacher's uh, one texter here is saying the education system overall when it comes to education in this country is a joke both the teachers parents and students are all at fault in fairness the teachers did work teach online but I agree their hours are short parents don't want to take any responsibility whatsoever they won't buy books uniforms etc why some education can't be done online is beyond me uh, says a texter when it comes to our discussion earlier regarding teachers and the Premier League live is back on c103.com 
SIE with Trevor Welch. It's back again tomorrow from midday, powered by Talk Sport. We'll bring you live coverage of Aston Villa taking on Everton at 12.30, Arsenal and Leicester at 3, and Brentford take on Manu at 5.30. The Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen Saturdays on C103.ie or the C103 app. And we're heading to the movies with Mark next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And just to let you know, with regards to traffic, there's been an accident on the MH motorway between Junction 12, Mitchellstown North and Junction 11, Cares South. The two lanes there are affected, so take care if you're travelling on the MH motorway this afternoon. Now, time to go to the movies. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, John Paul. Now, you went along to see two. First of them was Prey. So we're going to take a listen first to the, to the uh, trailer from uh, Prey and we'll have a chat about it then. First, though, here's the trailer. There's something up there. I've never seen anything like it. I'm the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane. I'm not frightened by a bear. It's not a bear. The Predator's first hunt on Earth. Now that's the trailer for Prey and Mark usually I watch the trailers um, the day before so I didn't get a chance yesterday afternoon I was going to watch it last night before I went to bed uh, but thankfully I didn't and I watched it this morning because there's a lot of uh, jump moments in this isn't there? Oh yeah I mean it's 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 terrific and I mean the thing about it is that first of all can I just say about the trailer isn't it great to hear a voiceover on a trailer? Yeah (laughs) you don't hear them much anymore no. No, no, there's very few voiceovers uh, anymore. And it was always something that I always really liked. And of course, the voiceover artists and a lot of those trailers down throughout the years became very famous for it. Jump scares, plenty, yes. Violence, yes. Gore, yes. So keep that in mind because um, this is on Disney+. Plus. So I'm going to say to parents, be very careful. If you think, oh, there's it's, 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 it's a lovely Western here uh, that we'll watch. Uh, no, it is very gory. And uh, the rating, I think, is 16s. So be beware of that. Um, this was a film that... Um, um, actually, I'll ask you a question, first of all. I mean, as far as the Predator movies go, this is a Predator movie, by the way. It's a, it's a prequel to Arnold Schwarzenegger's film. This is based in the 1700s uh, in the plains of America. Uh, how many of those seen? Would you have any idea? I haven't seen any, I think. All right. Well, I don't this, think this I've is seen the any seventh, I believe. Oh, right. I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't know there were seven. Well, it's a Predator movie. You know, all those Predators, yeah, Alien yeah. versus Predator and so yeah, on. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I've seen them all, but I don't... Well, actually, I, I, do like, I, are... I did see the Alien versus Predator. I saw some of that, but I think that's the only one I've seen. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I remember the very first two. I mean, the first one had Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I saw it in the cinema when it came out, and I was blown away by it. I just thought it was absolutely terrific. But I, if I remember, a lot of the critics were a bit sniffy about it. Mm. Um, and then the second one, I think, uh, had Danny Glover in it, and I liked that as well. I've seen all the others. Do you think I can remember them? No. And part of the reason is, is that they really weren't very good. And so I get the impression that uh, when they made this, the, the film company that made this, they kind of looked at it and went, well, we won't put it into, cine- into cinemas because, you know, I think they presumed that it would get the same kind of critical reaction as the other ones did so look we'll just put it on hulu we put it on a streaming service it became hugely popular and i think it's 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 hulu's most viewed film and i think they're probably regretting now not uh, putting this into cinemas uh, it's now ended up as i say on disney plus with an or rating uh, an american or rating which is 16 
so keep that in mind. As I say, it's, it is based in the 1700s, so it is a prequel to the Arnold Schwarzenegger film. So the Predator in this doesn't really have the same kind of hardware uh, that, um, for example, uh, he did in the Schwarzenegger film. Uh, so um, our, our main um, heroine in this film uh, is, um, is the character of Nehru, which is played by um, most of the cast is Native American, and her name is Amber Mid-Thunder. What a brilliant name. And um, and she is part of this tribe. But the tribe doesn't really take her very seriously because she's a girl, even though she's faster and she's um, she's tougher uh, than them all. She also is very good with medicines, for example, and constantly saving the lives of uh, the men in, in the tribe um, who get hurt because something is out there. They think it's a bear. She knows it's something different. Uh, so therefore, she goes out in, in uh, to trail uh, what initially she thinks is a bear, but actually turns out to be this uh, predator. But the interesting thing about, I think, the um, Schwarzenegger films that they never explain why the predator is out there and why it's killing. Uh, and they don't do so here either, because I don't think, really think it's necessary. I think they hint at the fact that maybe he's kind of a trainee and he's learning how to kill. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so uh, what you basically have is a, a very, very tightly directed 100 minutes. And as you know, John Paul, I complain here every Friday about these really clunky two and a half hour movies. And I'm always asking, look, why can't directors out there just make a solid movie that has a start, a middle and a finish without just going all uh, into all kind of different kind of uh, directions and tangents. And here it doesn't. This is one of the most tightly directed films I've seen in a very, very long time. It's 100 minutes, which is perfect. It's directed by a guy by the name of uh, Dan Trachtenberg. And uh, he's probably uh, best known. I think it says it there on the trailer for 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I liked very, very much indeed. And he's kind of, he's always seen as a kind of an art house director. But I can tell you this, John Paul, he knows how to direct action. He really does. It's a thrill from start to finish. I really loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, as does everybody else. I mean, the, 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 the critics have been very, very kind to this. As I say, just be aware of the violence. It is rather gory at times. There's only one thing that lets it down, and I think that's the, there is a bear in it, and it's a CGI bear. And it's a thrilling sequence, but the quality of the CGI of the bear kind of lets the film down. And um, it goes, and it's, it's a similar story too with a lot of the other animals. And there's a wolf in it, for example, and the CGI is great. But then they obviously made this uh, with a small budget. And so they obviously didn't have the money to improve it. But um, I think it's terrific. It's for adults and I'd recommend it. And out of 10 rating wise? I'll give it eight. Oh, that's good. That's a high rating. So eight out of 10 for Prey. And then you went along and you saw this one. Now, this also has a scary face on the front of it. So it seems like a bit of horror. It's called The Black Phone. Uh, it is a horror film. Well, at least that's how it's kind of described. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I didn't particularly think it was horror-like at all. Okay. Um, people have said, oh, this is one of the scariest movies ever made. I certainly wasn't scared by it at all. It has gotten very, very good reviews. People really like uh, this movie. I was really, I, I thought it was a very, very average. And this is one of the times when <clears throat> I seem to have a different kind of opinion to uh, a lot of the critics. Um, the thing about it, this is from Blumhouse. And normally I do like Blumhouse movies. I mean, they're a, they're a company that make a very kind of a low budget um, um, horror movies, but they tend to be very good. Uh, the most recent, I think, was The Invisible Man, for example, which I thought was absolutely terrific. Um, but here, I, when I was watching this, I think it's almost like they were looking at uh, kind of Stranger Things and they were kind of looking for that kind of look and feel because the film is set back in the 80s, pre-mobile phones, which is always handy, of course. And it has that look and it, it's, a, it's about a bunch of kids and they're uh, going to school. And this uh, character played by Ethan Hawke, who is called The Grabber who is basically kidnapping and, and killing the children of uh, this town. 
the other interesting thing about this, by the way, is it's from a short story from a man by the name of Joe Hill. Do you know who Joe Hill is? No, tell me. He's the son of Stephen King. Oh. And if you look at him on the internet, if you look at a photograph of Joe, Joe Hill, you would think it's Stephen King. He's the head of his father. It's extraordinary. <laughs> so he is carrying on the family tradition of writing horror stories. Uh, so basically what happens is we're introduced to this uh, young boy, uh, Mason Thames, uh, who plays the character of Finney. And uh, he's bullied at school. He's basically weak and he's basically told, look, you know, if you've got to go through life, you've got to stand up for yourself and be a man. He gets kidnapped by the grabber, whose face we very rarely see because he is, constantly has this mask on his face. And um, the grabber has him uh, in this um, this cellar, which has a phone on the wall. And every now and then, the phone will ring, and uh, Finney can can communicate uh, with the other boys who the grabber has killed. Um, it's not really explained how that happens, but you're going to have to watch till the end of it to to, to discover and how he's able to do that. Um, and basically, as I said, I was quite bored by the whole thing. I mean, I just the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking, OK, it's going to it's going to pick up now. Something's going to happen. There's going to be a great twist that never really happens. And the character, the grabber, even though he looks really scary, the character is actually a bit of an idiot. To oh. be honest with you. And I didn't find him scary at all. Good performance by Ethan Hawke. Great performance by the young man, Mason Thames. Other than that, I'm afraid I thought it was decidedly average. Okay, so you expected more from it. I did, very oh, okay. much so, and especially from Blumhouse, yeah, and especially yeah. from Ethan Hawke. Tends not to be in average movies, you know what I mean? But uh, for me, it was average. Uh, as I say, a lot of people do like it. So, um, again, it's uh, 15s plus, I think, and uh, so beware of that. But uh, if you're a horror fan, if you're a Blumhouse fan, maybe, you know, this might be of interest to you. Um, and maybe I was just in a funny mood, John Paul, when I was watching it. Well, if you, if you are, what would you rate it, Mark, out of 10? Personally, I have to give it a, a six. A six, all right. So a six out of ten for that one. Uh, we'll see what others think for the moment, Mark. Thanks for joining us uh, this afternoon. Back again next Friday with our movie review. Enjoy the sun, Mark. I will indeed. Take care. Mark, of course, he's in for Martina as well uh, this afternoon from four here on C103 Drive. And Greta in Crookston was on to us. She received a scam call from a person claiming to be from Air. They then were trying to hack into her mobile phone and they wanted Greta's bank details. Anyhow, she hung up and thankfully wasn't hacked. But she also wants to warn dog walkers to, to take care. If you're out walking your dog, uh, the tar is melting on some of the roads in her area around Crookston. I know we heard from other areas of Cork yesterday so take care if you're on the road we're back again on Monday with Cork Today my thanks to Bernie who produced enjoy your weekend I'm John Paul McNamara Hi this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA the future isn't scary not realizing its potential however could be Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.